Welcome back to another episode of the From the Top podcast. This is a podcast all about first things. So my goal as the host is to experience as many first things as I can and use those experiences to rate whether I'd keep doing that thing. My name is Stanton Watson. I hope you'll join along with me as I go through first episodes, first book chapters, songs on an album, menu items, or just endless possibilities for what the first thing could be. Uh, The only caveat I have, again, if you're a new listener, is uh, that I don't backtrack and revisit things that I've already done, but I can do like new series of things, new new seasons, let's say, of a show, new movies, uh, new entries in a movie series, those kinds of things. So Marvel, Star Wars, new seasons of shows, new books by an author that maybe I've read. I can do those things as long as it's a first of something, a first episode of a new series, things like that. Part of this podcast is inspired by my students who are completing their own independent projects in my classroom. I'm a high school English teacher, and so I thought I've always wanted to do podcasts, and this project or this podcast has is really the result of a project of my own, where I've always wanted to do a podcast, and this was the perfect opportunity. I have to say that I am behind by a few weeks on getting a new episode out. Just life has taken over, just like everybody else is learning that we have these creative projects we want to do. There's all these other responsibilities that can kind of compete for your time, but you just try to push through, do the best you can, and get your creative stuff out there. The first first that I'm going to review for this episode is actually the first episode of the new season of Yellowstone. I'm sure there's a few episodes out now. Uh, I did watch the, the first new episode when it came out, but like I said, I'm behind a few weeks, so this is my first chance to check in with y'all and tell you what I thought about it. So again, the first episode of the new season of Yellowstone came out a few weeks ago, and it was time to check back in with the family that I think we all hate to love by now out in Montana. It's not that the Duttons are great people necessarily, uh, but they go through so much drama that we just kind of have to keep coming back to see what is the next big conflict? What are they going to do next? Just kind of going through the characters, I think these were notes from memory of the storylines as they unfolded and as the characters were introduced. So the first one we really check in with is Jamie, who is the adopted son of John Dutton. And he's still basically at this point paying for his own existence in the eyes of Beth and John Dutton. Like he's just this unforgivable curse on this family. A lot of it he's brought on himself but a lot of it we know is because of the way that the family has treated him through the years as well. But obviously he brought this on himself the most by thinking he could make an enemy out of Beth and somehow getting out from under that at literally any point in his life. It's not going to happen. And he also has this back and forth loyalty to the Dutton family. And I just feel like at this point, that storyline kind of like a lot of storylines, I hate to say, is a little bit tired at this point. But he does always represent the wild card who can come up big for the family if he needs to or do just enough damage to derail their plans. So that's basically what we get from Jamie in this first episode is can he earn his way back into the family's good graces and what will he do to do that? We already know from the last season, no spoilers, but he's willing to make some pretty big sacrifices to try to get in with his family. But... Is it for their good or is it for his own good? I think that's some uh, something we'll find out throughout the season. And then there's John Dutton, our main character, Kevin Costner's character, who really at, in, in last season had been backed into a corner to save his ranch. And the only option that he saw was to run for governor to block all these development projects that are happening in Montana and really threaten his land and the, the land of other native Montanans, Montanians, whatever we would say, residents of Montana. 
Uh, he's about as happy to be governor as he would be if he woke up with his head sewn to the carpet, to borrow a phrase from Clark Griswold. Uh, it, almost to the point that he almost calls off the whole inauguration ceremony while he's getting sworn in. Uh, so he just spends the rest of this episode pouting about being the governor and getting older and time passing him by. But it does give you the sense that he's getting desperate. And it makes you think, not a scared John Dutton, but a concerned John Dutton. When he's backed into a corner, he feels like his options are being taken from him and he's being forced to do something he doesn't want to do. That's also kind of an unpredictable element that you want to keep track of throughout this season. And then we get to Beth. Now, I, I think, I don't. I was going to say that this is an unpopular opinion. I think people are pretty split on Beth, whether they love her or hate her character. But to me personally, she remains the most annoying and unrealistic character on this show and maybe any show really that I'm watching right now. And I'm watching a show that I'll mention later about Santa Claus and his family. And Beth is the one that remains the most unrealistic character on a show that I'm watching right now, if that tells you anything. I just don't think there's anything appealing anymore about her intense dramatics. Uh, she tries to drop, or the, the writers with her character... Just have her trying to drop one-liners every time she opens her mouth. And she just lives to preach life advice to people who don't want it and are otherwise pretty happy. She can't let other people be happy. That's her issue. She refuses to be happy. She can't let herself be happy, so she has to make others question their own happiness. And it's just tiring to me. She doesn't seem like a real person. She's got to constantly dream up of the next thing to be dramatic and upset about, when really, she, she doesn't have to live that way outside of these wars that really she started herself uh, to protect the Dutton family ranch. And, you know, obviously the, the conflicts that she's gone through with Jamie, she can't look around and see the things that she's blessed with. It's only what's wrong with me and how can I make the rest of the world suffer because I'm not happy. Then you have Rip, who's a character that I don't mind. Uh, I think he's a pretty consistent character. He's not dramatic necessarily, does take himself way too seriously at times, but at this point, he's, he's a character that doesn't have a lot to do, and you have to wonder how they're going to keep his storyline very interesting. Uh, all of the things that he's gone through in his past, uh, you know, struggling to find somebody to love him and have a family and earn the respect of like John Dutton, he's got all those things. He's married. They somewhat kind of have a kid that's not really theirs, but he kind of stands in as theirs. He's earned a, you know, the, the highest rank that he can on the ranch. Like There's just not a lot left for him to do. All we really saw Rip do in this episode was lay down on the grass on a hillside like he's settling in for a Willie Nelson set at Woodstock, and he just didn't have a whole lot else to do. So I would be interested, again, talking about this without having seen the next few episodes, I'd be interested to see what they come up with for Beth and Rip, or at least Rip's character. Then we get to my favorite character, probably, who is Casey. And we get to see him at work as a livestock agent being just a general cool guy cowboy, which I think is where he needs to be. Uh, of course, the end of the episode doesn't really go his way with Monica. Uh, spoiler alert here, if you haven't watched, maybe skip this part. Uh, but Monica ending up in a wreck and losing the baby, they kind of create some, some tension of who's going to survive this. I think that would have been a really effective way to end the episode, at least a cliffhanger of who gets out. Does Monica survive? Does the baby survive? Is Tate going to be okay? Um, that would have been an interesting way to end the episode. They don't leave it on that cliffhanger. We definitely get some answers. Uh, and that just, I think, 
we're constantly going to see the back and forth between um, Monica and Casey of, is this the life for us? Are we going to be part of this family? Are we not going to be part of this family? Is this family the root of all our suffering? That That is a very engaging storyline to me about how they navigate this dual life between, and also the, the heritage that they have and the connection they have to Native Americans and what that relationship is like between the Duttons and their family and and this whole conflict about the land and who who's the rightful owner. Lots of different storylines there. And Casey and Monica represent that convergence of both of those worlds. So that is interesting to me. I'd like to know more about that, how the season's going to unfold. Then we have another character who just isn't real. It just not or does not represent a real person. It is I don't even know who, what her name is or who plays her, but she's the lady from Market Equities. She's, I think she's just entirely miscast and it doesn't work. She's, I don't know. She's just Beth in 30 years. It's not, it's not good. She's supposed to be like this scary and intimidating and menacing person, but she just isn't. It doesn't work. What's supposed to be intimidating and calculating portrayal of this business tycoon who's ruthless is just not working. Her anger, her dramatics, kind of like Beth's, they just don't come across as authentic to me. It's, a, it's somebody who's clearly just pretending rather than somebody who's actually giving us convincing portrayal. She does have a good little slimy right-hand guy who's just perfect in his role. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, throughout this season to see him somehow take over as the brains of the operation in this season. Or he'll probably end up dead. One of the two. Uh, so my favorite parts of the show actually are when we get to see just how beautiful the landscape is and what the ranchers, what the people in the bunkhouse actually do as part of their day-to-day lives. I know that's not really like the main focus of the show, but getting to see those things does help us see why all the land in this state is worth protecting and preserving and not giving over to just selfish, capitalistic people who don't have any stake in Montana. They just want to turn it into their playground, as John Dutton says. So again, from memory, from the few notes that I took, that, that, that was my takeaways or my, uh, that was my impression of the first episode of Yellowstone. There's some things that I'm interested to see how they unfold uh, with Jamie, with Casey, with John Dutton, how they're going to face the situation they're in. There's some people that I just, I'm over, I'm tired of, the market equities lady, Beth's situation, and I would like to know how we're going to make Rip interesting again. Um, but of course, it's Yellowstone. It's always worth coming back to. They always create these dramatic, tense scenarios where you just have to see what happens next. Another character we didn't see from is Jimmy. And uh, you, you wonder, I can't remember from the last season where his character, you know, what ended up with his storyline. Uh, I know that he has gone to the Four Sixes Ranch in Texas, I believe, to learn how to be, like, to come back and be a cowboy. So I'd be interested to see what comes of him. He's not really my favorite character anyway, and you kind of wonder, like, what's the point of this character? Uh, that's another question I'd like to have answered. Just he's going to tie into a bigger storyline, you feel like, but what? So some things definitely worth sticking around for. I will definitely keep watching this next season of Yellowstone. All right, my next first thing for this episode is The Santa Clauses, the new show on Disney Plus featuring Tim Allen returning as Santa Claus. I just have to say from the start, I was always going to watch the whole season, whether or not the first episode was good. The last thing we saw from the Santa Claus franchise was Santa Claus 3, which is a disaster. Uh, I think there's diminishing returns with each installment of the Santa Claus franchise, but 
the first one, oh my gosh, Christmas perfection. Like, and it's not just the nostalgia of it coming out when you're a kid. That movie is genuinely funny. And I'm personally, I love Tim Allen. I think he's hilarious. I think he's dry, sarcastic, sometimes a little over the top delivery, but usually just kind of the wry comments that he makes to the side, kind of muttering under his breath and then quick one liners and we're moving on. I love, I love Tim Allen's delivery, his comedy style. So I was always going to come back to this series. I was so excited when I saw that it was coming out. Just a chance to, I think a chance to end on a better note, if we are ending uh, on a better note than the Santa Claus 3. But to see Tim Allen back as Santa Claus, I was always going to watch it. Especially since there's been some time since the last installment. They've had some time to make sure that the ideas are fresh and new. I do think that that's the point of this series. And while that was one of my fears that we were going to try to modernize this to the point that it's not recognizable. I don't think that it does that. I don't think it does. I like there was a danger of it being annoying and we're trying to keep up with the times too much, but it's definitely in touch with its roots as a series. Uh, the nostalgia, I guess of, uh, of the installments that have come before it. And it is definitely still grounded in Tim Allen that the Tim Allen Santa Claus storyline or the Scott Calvin Santa Claus storyline, I guess I should say. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's a hard transition from what came before. It's just a continuation of that storyline that we love. One thing that obviously, you know, that jumps out at you from this being a Disney production is the production value. Everything looks great. You do kind of notice, of course, I guess it would happen that the North Pole would, would evolve and update over time, but it continues to expand and grow in its operation. You know, you can go back to that first movie and see that things comparatively were kind of a small scale North Pole. And now we've got this huge village and this huge production, but it just makes sense that over time, those things would happen. Not necessarily a, a detraction as much as it just makes sense that they would continue to grow the North Pole. That's one of the first things that jumps out at you is it is a Disney production. They're not going to do anything halfway. They're going to put their money and their efforts behind it. While the story may not land for everybody, the jokes may not land for everybody, the production, the effort, the creativity, I think, are, are going to be there. And you can trust that, especially with the cat, the cast that's returning, you know that they're going to try to do it right. So that's the, immediately the first thing that jumps out at you, along with, you know, I had those fears that it could be too modern. Maybe we've forgotten the roots and the magic about what worked with it in the first place, but I don't think it does. Uh, there are some annoying characters. The character of Noel I don't know if it's the actor, the delivery, or the way they've made him act. He's kind of the head elf, more the, like the Bernard. He's not really the Bernard. He's more of the Curtis, if you remember Curtis. Uh, Spencer Breslin, I think, played him in, in Santa Claus 2 and 3, maybe, at least 2. He's more of that kind of character. He's just goofy. He's just supposed to be the silly kind of comic relief, and he's balanced out by his wife or girlfriend character, Betty, who I do like. I think is very good in her role. You would know Betty from Station Eleven, I believe it is called. Uh, the the younger child actor who uh, who played the main character in Station Eleven is the Betty character, and I think she is really good. She's really uh, authentic and earnest. Whereas Noel just seems like obviously it's a kid show. It's about Santa Claus and he's an elf. But I'll, I I like to go back to when I'm evaluating whether or not I like a character or not, I have to believe that they exist in the world that they're in. It doesn't mean they have to be a realistic character that actually exists in the real world, but I need to, I need to think that they are a real 
character that would exist. And assuming that I'm suspending my disbelief and I'm thinking, okay, this is a world where Santa Claus exists and elves exist and North Pole exists. He even seems too out of place and, and too awkward, not convincing enough even for that. Just kind of a, I don't know, kind of an annoying touch to the show. But otherwise, I think I think the show works. There are no, some nostalgic moments that, that take us back to the, the original, which I appreciate. I don't want to spoil too much again for that. But we see some characters, even some minor characters and some major ones that come back up. And I'm excited to see how that storyline unfolds, how much involvement these older characters have. Versus how much are we trying to transition and segue to maybe setting up a new Santa Claus. Uh, And I say that because the point of this first episode is Santa is losing his magic. And that's that's a pretty common trope in a a movie with Santa Claus. We're having to deal with a world where people don't believe in Santa Claus. Uh, And is the result of him losing his magic, is it because people don't believe? Is it because he's aging out of the role? Is it because the time of him being Santa Claus has passed on? And then what are the protocols for recruiting or installing a new Santa Claus if it's not, we just got to wait for Santa Claus to die. Because as we know of how Scott Calvin became Santa Claus, the the one before him, his predecessor had to fall off a roof. Scott put on the clothes. He was Santa Claus. Is that what it's going to take for Scott Calvin? Well, we're going to find out. Because this is somewhat of a spoiler. I don't think anything we really talk about on this podcast can be too much of a spoiler because it's the first episode of anything. It's the first of anything. So I can't be saying too much. I'm not revealing the ending or major plot beats along the way. But one thing we see that kind of wraps up this first episode is that Scott finds himself in a position that mirrors how he became Santa Claus in the first place. He can't remember the exact details now, but he ends up slipping and falling off of a roof and it leaves it there. So we've returned back to the roots of the series. It's great to see Scott Calvin, or it's great to see Tim Allen as Santa Claus again, playing that character. I love, and I'm kind of sad, that it is acknowledging the time that has passed between the original installment and the time that he's been Santa Claus. And it's just kind of a natural next question. Like, what do we do when Santa Claus wants to retire from being Santa Claus? It's somebody else's turn. And he has a great motivation to do it. He has a new family. We, we know Charlie from the originals. He's going to have grown up. He's going to have his own family. But Scott, again from Santa Claus 2, had to marry, find his own Mrs. Claus, and they started a family. So he's just ready to enjoy that, and that makes sense to me. So we get to see all the lore, all the protocols that are in place of um, what happened before with the, the original Mrs. Claus. Did anybody like the Santa Claus that came before Scott? How does he compare how does he pass the torch? How can uh, how can the family and Mrs. Claus go back to like an identity outside of the North Pole? All these are really interesting questions that are set up in the first installment. Again, doing this from memory since it has been a few weeks. I'm sure there's other minor details that I've missed talking about. But the fears that I would have had that the show was annoying, that it's lost touch with where it came from, it's already better than Santa Claus 3, uh, which I just... Again, we won't talk about it. We could talk about all the flaws that that are wrong with that movie, but I feel like it's already better than that. And it's setting up a lot of interesting questions that a show will have more time to explore the magic and the and the mythology about why this works the way that it does and what happens next. That's enough for me to come back, if nothing else, than to continue to see Tim Allen in this role, maybe for the last time. Based on the first episode of the Santa Clauses, major improvement 
from the last time we saw Tim Allen as Santa Claus. Very interesting questions that are set up. It, it was funny. Not too many annoying characters when obviously they had the chance to make it annoying. They dodged that bullet. And they actually do, of the new characters that are introduced, I think, you know, we care about them. They add to the story. They don't take away from it other than Noel, who's a little bit annoying. But maybe that mellows out a little bit throughout the season. I should also mention that we have a a new character and a new family introduced as part of the storyline that I think I know where it's going. There's not a whole lot that we learn about this character and his family in this first episode, but I have some predictions that I won't spoil here about where I think this is going. But Cal Penn, uh, who you might know from, I know him from Harold and Kumar. Uh, I know he's been in other things, but that's probably where he's most recognizable. Um, Cal Penn plays kind of an innovator, entrepreneur, up and coming, uh, tech innovator, game designer, things like that, who has kind of had this meteoric rise, but now people still have the pressure on him to continue to innovate. And he's feeling some of that pressure at the holiday season, but he also wants to be there and be a good father for his daughter at Christmas time. And I think I can see where the connection is. We don't see a lot about how he's going to play into the bigger storyline, except that I can tell he's looking for a faster way to deliver their products for his company to make money. And we do see that he witnesses Santa Claus in action and how he travels and how he might expedite his way around the world. So I do think that those two things are going to tie in and can't really tell if he's going to play a villainous role or maybe if he's going to be a candidate for the next Santa Claus. It's hard to see how that's going to play out now, but those are some of the theories that I would have. And I know that we're going to get just from the trailers, we're going to get to see more of those older characters come back and we'll get to see them again and check in with what they're doing. So we have a lot of questions, a lot of storylines coming up in the rest of the season. Uh, What's Charlie doing? How does the family get back to normal everyday life away from the North Pole? And will they, will there be a new successor to Santa Claus? Uh, can he, does he have the option to just go back and retire or when he's falling off the roof, is that it? Uh, do they kind of pull the old bait and switch and we have a new Santa Claus after the first episode? Um, is Santa losing his magic? Is it because people are stopping believing? Is it because he's aging out? Lots of different things that are going to keep us coming back and questions that they've posed in the beginning to make us want to come back and learn more. I'm excited to have a little bit more time over the course of a series versus a one and a half hour movie to really let those questions be answered and those things unfold. I know that Tim Allen's trademark humor, his role in developing the lines in the story is going to make the show worth watching anyway. I think he's just so funny. And a lot of the details, the little quips that they throw in in this episode and throughout the movies, I know that that's going to continue. So for all those reasons, all those questions, and kind of just the the chance to see Tim Allen as Santa Claus one more time, maybe the last time, all those reasons make me want to come back and continue watching the Santa Clauses. I think that's going to do it for this episode of From the Top. I apologize for missing a few weeks there, but life gets the best of you sometimes. And just like my students are learning that, We have to make time for these creative projects. If it's something that we care about, we're passionate about, we just find the time to do it and we make it happen. So I'm going to try to be more consistent with putting episodes out. Uh, Just as a sneak peek of some upcoming things I'm going to cover, I have watched the first episode of at least the current run of Doctor Who. I think it was from around like the 2000s, 2000 to 2005 era, somewhere in there. So the Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who is where I'm starting. I have a lot to say about that. Found it pretty interesting. 
I also hope to watch the first episode of the new Wednesday series on Netflix. I've heard a lot of people talking about that, a lot of clips I've seen from that so far. I like Tim Burton for the most part. Uh, Adam's Family is pretty cool, so I'm hoping to talk about those things. I've had uh, several suggestions for music to try and listen to from, from students, and I always appreciate the suggestions that come in at podfromthetop at gmail.com. So if you do have any suggestions or questions for me, send those in at podfromthetop at gmail.com. And don't forget that this podcast is part of the, the Across the Top podcast network. We have shows like 20 for 20, where you can hear about my students' 20-time projects. And we have Yanks Across the Pond from Andrew Fisher, who is talking all about American soccer players who are playing for the biggest clubs around the world. So that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate you checking back in and listening. And I will catch up with you next time. <laughs>